I don't think I've ever witnessed a video of a gay quote-unquote nikah, but I, it's, it's sort of a strange thing in theory, right? Because yeah. the nikah itself, you need two witnesses, you need mahar. Uh, like who gave who the mahar? Like all of these, all of these open-ended questions still present themselves. And um, you know, who's the wali, right? Does one of them need a wali? Do they need a wali? <laughs> right. No. In in some ways, They're it actually. But fundamentally, when I ask young Muslims, um, uh, why are you Muslim? The the top answer seems to be because my parents are Muslim, yeah. and that leaves young Muslims very weak because they can't connect why we're asked to do something or not do something or believe in something to a, a, a very firm conviction or foundation why are we believe in this everybody else believes in this why don't we believe in it why can't we accept that people should better live how they want so they're bought into the propaganda because they fundamentally carry such a weak foundation chapter two is women's rights and chapter three is the gay international right mm. so this is a global kind of agenda not necessarily to uh, to spread fahisha, that's probably, some people have that intention anyway. But on a policy level, uh, and on a uh, kind of discursive level, it's to to reproduce the othering of Muslims as uh, and, and, and the, 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 the twin kind of colonial impulses of to dominate and to civilize. Assalamualaikum everyone, uh, welcome to this special episode of the Unscripted Podcast We have uh, Yusuf Patel as our co-host today from SRE Islamic and a regular contributor at Islam Trends Zakla for coming Yusuf And we're here because we have uh, Ustad Mubin Vaid uh, here mm. from the United States Assalamualaikum Alaikum salam. Uh, Mubin, mashallah, is a public intellectual. He does uh, lectures and talks and stuff about, and, and has written a lot over the last many years about uh, things, including you know LGBT, uh, sex education, uh, liberalism, and so forth uh, in the American context and the American Muslim community. So, basically, he's like an American Yusuf Patel. No, no, right. The difference is, you know, you're a, you're a the difference is I, I spoke to a brother once who said, I, I read his article, it was really good. After I consulted a thesaurus, I really agreed with it. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, he's Alhamdulillah. much better. I didn't much know you like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, mashallah, so we were just, uh, before we started rolling, we, st- we were talking about uh, a few things like this, this gay, quote unquote, gay nikah video that was going around, uh, Yusuf was showing us. Um, have you have you come across stuff like that? Uh, I mean, that specific video, no. Mm. I don't think I've ever witnessed a video of a gay quote-unquote nikah, but I, it's it's sort of a strange thing in theory, right? Because yeah. the nikah itself, you need two witnesses, you need mahar. <laughs> uh, like, who gave who the mahar? <laughs> like, all of these all of these open-ended questions still present themselves, and um, mm. you know, who's the wali? <laughs> right, do it's one of them need a wali. Do they need a wali? <laughs> right, no. in, in some ways, it actually, <laughs> the entire structure of the Muslim marriage, in some yeah. ways, bespeaks the fact that it's an inherently heterosexual institution. Mm. And trying to reform it into something that can accommodate gay people is really just putting Surat al Fatiha recitation mm. on top of what yeah. looks like some sort of Christian ceremony, mm. but with Shalwar Qutta or something, or Shalwar yeah. Kamis, right? 
They went too far when they desecrated the Shabbat. Absolutely. Absolutely. My <laughs> sentiments exactly. Yeah, that's enough is enough. That was, we need to do that was the red line. line. We yeah. need to do something, man. That was the red line. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned something about Ireland? Yeah, I think I want to talk to you about Ireland because um, sure. there was uh, there's this uh, viral video going around. This this, uh, this non-Muslim lady, she's in the library. She sees um, a pre- uh, uh, um, lots of books on a display. Okay. One of those is uh, this book is gay, um, which has actually caused controversy in in Detroit, wasn't it? In in Michigan, okay. um, and so she opens up the book and says, "Look, this book is in the library. This is disgusting." Uh, it includes a section called "How to Argue with Muslims," uh, mm. which, is, which seeks to justify same-sex relationships. And it says the Quran has no problem with these types of relationships. Have you um, got a copy of it? I ordered it from Amazon, and just before I came, it said delivered, so oh. um, uh, I couldn't bring it with me. Sorry, mm. Mm. Uh, but I wanted to. Maybe we'll I, add some B-roll on top of it. On top of the. But video. it's interesting. I wanted to get your view on that because um, uh, because it intersects with what happened in Detroit, Michigan. I think it was last year, was it, or earlier this year? Probably, I think probably last year. On Dearborn, they had some protests, I remember, at the school board level yes, with parents yes. speaking out. You've also had situations recently, relatively recently, in some Canadian schools mm. where the schools have invited Muslim speakers who are yes. pro-LGBT to speak in assemblies to the yes, students. Yes. telling, And these assemblies were specifically geared towards the Muslim students mm. to let them know that there's no reason for them to be religiously, yes. uh, you know, concerned about mm. pro LGBT material. So a lot of these schools are realizing that they need to get ahead mm. of Muslim controversies, try to stifle them before they emerge or manifest. And so they're doing more and more to endorse this type of material or promote it within the school level. We're seeing that in other school boards too, where they're looking for Muslims to, uh, you know, side with the pro LGBT side when these issues break out. So when they have open school board hearings and people are going to speak, they look for Muslims who can represent the pro-LGBT side to get on the microphone and say, mm. my name is whatever, mm. I'm a Muslim and I'm in favor of homosexual and transgender teachings for children. This is about inclusion, it's about accommodation, it's about giving every human being his or her dignity, mm. et cetera, et cetera. All right, that's, that's the message that they're looking to get out and promote. Um, that's been going on for some time. It's it's just now accelerated a little mm. bit because of these controversies. Uh, in fact, there are some organizations that have sprouted up over the last, you know, probably in the last five to ten years, uh, in the U.S. at least. I, I don't know the scene in the U.K. as well, uh, that were funded by non-Muslim liberal mm. think tanks and other organizations. Uh, there's one that's called uh, Advocates for Youth. That, mm. That's a good example, Advocates for Youth. And they have a specific chapter that is dedicated towards Muslims. And they are very explicit about looking for Muslims who are pro-LGBT as a moral matter. Mm. Um, They're looking for queer Muslims. They're looking for trans Muslims. They want them to be Mm. part of that institution. They want them to become new voices within the Muslim community, and that organization promotes them. They have different activities and efforts that they put behind. Thankfully, a lot of these organizations haven't really grown as much. But they're starting to get a little bit of uh, support, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, as these issues grow and given the way that everything is so politically polarized and the fact is many Muslims have had their sensibilities mm-hmm. re-engineered on issues like this. And so we're, we're going to see more and more that, uh, that find themselves sympathetic to mm-hmm. organizations like that. You know, uh, one of the things I, I find that you both have in common, I've been, uh, obviously, I know you've been for a while. Really? Mohammed is uh-huh. Muhammad. Is that really? Yeah, yeah that's, how, that's, that's what we've got in common. 
my middle name is Zubair. It was like to be correct. One thing you do actually have, uh, have in common is you, you've both been talking about and writing about mm. and you know, um, informing, instructing the Muslim community about this kind of stuff since before it became you know, cool and kind of trendy mm-hmm. to talk about you know, um, sex education in your case, and uh, you know, things we can't mention on camera, but uh, you know, uh, LGBT and all that kind of stuff. Um, is it is it actually getting worse or you know in, increasing, or is it just that it's always been there, but we're we're getting more and more, you know, um, information about it now, uh, exposed and stuff. Again, I, I think some, uh, perhaps the cultural and political dynamics in the UK are a bit yeah. different than the US. Uh, in the US, uh, really, it's been the last decade that things we've seen a huge increase in acceleration mm. in it all. Um, I'd say probably starting around 2012, 2013, we saw a big public promotion for gay marriage. There was a huge cultural push for it. Mm. 2015, we saw Obergefell, which was the Supreme Court decision. After that, it was just what one. What was that in regards to? So that was same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, legalization of same-sex marriage as a, you know, nationwide institution, mm-hmm. um, and so it it rendered unlawful any mm-hmm. state referendums that defined marriage as between a man and a woman, um, and it mm-hmm. guaranteed civic accommodations, mm-hmm. government uh, acknowledgement. So do you think though that was like the floodgates? Well, it was, it was definitely a catalyst for a public celebration of homosexuality. Um, you know, Obergefell, in some ways by that point, was almost moot because the culture had become so supportive of homosexuality. You had such, you know, homosexual representation in the media, the pride rallies, everything else had grown so much that it was almost a formality when the Supreme Court passed the decision. But it was the way that it was publicly celebrated that I think really was significant, right? I mean, it just, in many ways, indicated just how far we had gone on the issue, because even if you look back at the Supreme Court's own ruling on it, if you read what the justices, the court opinion says, if you look at President Obama's statements, mm-hmm. you look at the statement of different Congress people, including Muslim mm-hmm. congressmen, you know, I remember Keith Ellison at that time, all of them were talking about how this was such a milestone that and indicated it's Muslim, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a milestone. It represented human progress, right? The, it wasn't just, okay, now we're extending mm. certain civic accommodations to people who are, you know, mm. yeah, in a homosexual relationship. What we're now doing is we are, like, putting, our, putting a stake in the sand mm. when it comes to human history. Like, that's what we're a part of. We're a part of this really grand moment. And... When you're saying something like that, it's it's transcendental, yeah. right? You're you're now arguing something that has much more metaphysical weight than someone who just says, "Okay, we just want to extend certain legal accommodations." Um, and the or, interesting thing is that yeah, y- you would think that mm-hmm. that that gay marriage would have been legalized in the U- U.S. before the U.K., but actually in the U.K. it was legalized in 2013. Yeah. Um, and that was qu- that was quite a watershed moment as well. And I think the impact it had. Because at the time, we were saying that it would have an impact on schools. And it did, because schools already had a pre-existing legal obligation in the UK to teach children about the nature of marriage. 
So when it was legalized, the nature of that discussion changed. So now they had to include mm. the fact that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. So now if a parent says, no, I don't need to teach this to my child, say, no, this is the law. We have to teach this to children. We have to talk about the fact that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry mm. a woman. And yeah. so it's, it's really interesting that you would expect, you would have predicted, if uh, b- given the different political and social situations within both co- both countries, mm. for that to have to start in America. But actually, in UK, preceded the legalization. America, America is a much more religious country, right? It historically, yeah, so has been. Although yeah. now, rates of agnosticism <coughs> are really mm. on the rise in America. Mm. I think recent polls are saying between twenty and thirty yeah. percent of the United States now is what they call religiously unaffiliated. Mm. And so, historically, How many percent, America, sorry? twenty to thirty percent, which is quite high. Mean? I mean, that's that's a historic high for America. Mm. Right? They've, they've never had numbers that high. Here, mm. it's over seventy percent. Yeah. Really? Are, yeah, it's yeah. much higher in the UK. No way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, Christianity, I think, is definitely a minority it's gone, now. Uh, it's yeah. gone beyond the 50% mark, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's. I think the, thing, the important thing about, from our perspective is, I mean, especially Islam 20 and see our, our kind of angle is, of looking at things is, we want to see every Muslim confident, right, impacting the world. And we're looking at their confidence in their Islam and their Muslim skin, right? Um, so... There is a generation of people, or some people even today, when they look at something like this, like you know, man uh, marrying another man or whatever mm-hmm. in a legal sense, they 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 feel that this is this is something they do. Mm-hmm. This is not something. This is something non-Muslims do, right? Just like they would when we were growing up. There's a bunch of things that we don't do. We like, we understand. Okay, these things are legal, mm-hmm. but well, we don't do that, and we don't even have that desire in our hearts to to sure. affirm that thing or anything. Yeah. The I think the the big problem is. When we start to lose that, right, mm. and kids start to say, you know, um, why is it, you know, why wh- what's wrong with that, or yeah. why is this, yeah. uh, you know, starts to, and and that's why I th- I think there are different ways of looking at this topic overall. I think mm. there are some people that look at it and say it's just another political football. Mm-hmm. You have abortion, you have immigration, you have tax policy, yeah. and you have LGBT. And these are all just independent political topics that the right and the left are going to argue and debate. And it's just a culture war item. And yes. we, should, we should kind of keep a measured stance on it. And I don't think that's entirely unreasonable. I mean, the difference it kind of is here because yeah. because they both the left and the right agree on it. Yeah, but there are some yeah. differences. There, there are some yeah. differences. There are some minority like evangelicals, Christians yeah. who don't agree with it. Yeah. But I think one question I wanted to ask you about is because you've sp- written a l- very extensively about this is is you know the in the past you know there's been uh, either Muslims have been beholden to the left or the right um, on a whole host yeah. of topics and they've almost like we we ally with the left we ally with the right and actually sometimes that's been very unhealthy um, yeah. so as people have questioned now because when when we were allied to the left there was no there was no real questioning about that. Yeah, because the left supports them. on Palestine, maybe supports us on anti-war sentiments in, uh, during the Iraq war, war in Afghanistan and things like that. But now, because there's a growing trend to for Muslim values on these issues, these social issues to align with the right. The question is, why are you the left now? Why are you aligning with the right? The right hate you. And so there's a big push back uh, against that. So I'd be really, really interested to hear your perspective on, on yeah. this alignment with the left and right and the fact that sometimes Muslims, they don't necessarily have, um, they don't have, their, they don't have an idea of how to engage with either 
upon our own terms. It's almost yeah. as if we have to ally with the left or the right on a host of whole right, host of topics. Use the language, use the imagery, yeah. use the yeah. ethics yeah. and moral. So, so that's but interesting. I think we I interrupted you when you were oh, saying no. something before. You I, I was just that. I was just going to say that you know the thing that makes this issue unique in many ways is that it's the way that it's promoted. Mm -hmm. There's almost a missionary spirit. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really. Like, there are very few issues that are getting pushed the mm. way this issue is yeah, yeah. in the media, in schools, in books, in libraries, mm. just everywhere you turn. It's really unavoidable. Uh, yesterday, the day before, I was, uh, I was shopping downtown here in London, mm. and I was walking through, I guess, the Soho area, mm. and that entire road is just rainbow. Yes. The entire road. You yes. can't, I mean, they're just... It's draped with the flag everywhere you go. Wait, it's so that's much progress. It used to be just red light. But okay. the Soho, Soho has historically <laughs> been um, yeah. uh, emblematic yeah. of the, yeah. the LGBT community. Yeah. So to well, even the administrative vehicles and mm. the municipal vehicles yeah, there yeah. are all rainbow color. Yes, and we support. Yes. And so, you know, and then you walk around London, you can see cafes and coffee shops mm. with rainbow flags in the windows. And yes. so, even the mayor. Yeah. I mean, you don't, see, you don't see a lot of issues like this. I mean, you yeah. really don't. And so yeah. when you start getting into the question of alliances, I mean, it's, it's interesting, at least in America, because we haven't really seen, at least as far as I know, any formal alliance yeah. that has occurred between Muslims and the right mm. on anything yet. Or even the left? Uh, well, with the left, there's been a lot of alliance work mm. over the years, because a ton. Yeah. Yeah, the, thing, the, thing that, the, the thing that annoys me about the word alliances, it could mean anything, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because I don't know of any actual official alliance because the Muslims aren't as organizers. Yeah, you know. I mean, but one could say that there have been Muslim organizations that yeah. have worked with left-wing groups, yeah. and Muslim public Muslim actors that have stood with and marched alongside and yeah. done a lot of things with liberal actors. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to the right, even now I, I really haven't seen it. Mm. We've seen school board meetings that Muslims have shown up to, and that other non-Muslims who are representing right-wing organizations have shown mm. up to. Mm. But those haven't been coordinated. Yeah, yeah. They're just both there objecting to the same thing. Yes, yes. And so when people say, oh, Muslims are working with the right, well, are they not supposed mm -hmm. to go to the school board meeting? Mm. What are they supposed to do? Mm. What makes that, you know, Muslims partnering with the right? Mm. I can tell you where I live in Maryland, um, you know, the primary group that has been protesting school teachings alongside Muslims have been Ethiopian Orthodox Christians mm -hmm. And so the Ethiopian church has been coming out with Muslims They're not a right-wing group yes. As far as I know yeah. I mean, I don't know what their politics are officially But they don't strike me as a group that's far right-wing mm. And Muslims and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church Those are the two biggest groups at these hearings mm. It's part of the uh, kind of Western uh, Almost um, the, the, Let's call it what it is white hubris, right? Yeah. To try and to to force the 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 ethnics to, you know, uh, into boxes that they've created themselves. That so if, if an African group or whatever, uh, you know, is is speaking out against um, same sex marriage or whatever, then they're forced to adopt a label, uh, a perspective that isn't even theirs. It's from the French Revolution, right, left wing, right wing, yeah. but it's part of the 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 mm. kind of white western well. way of defining people and and. Um, and giving, even giving them the, here's the allowable language that you, you can express yourselves in. You can express yourself or you'll be understood as, you know, um, coming from a, a right-wing uh, vantage point. You yeah, know, these are the permissible kind of uh, uh, languages or, 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 or frameworks you can express your, your, your disagreement within. 
Yeah, especially over the last couple of weeks, it's been interesting how many people look in Montgomery County. One of the uh, one of the women who's on the school board, she said that you know it's really challenging what's going on because Muslims sound like white supremacists. <laughs> she said that directly, yeah. and I thought, what it what an offensive way yeah, to yeah. describe us. Get, I think I think one of the uh, mm-hmm. sort of cut you off, the, oh, no. the th- one of the things I think we need to take a look at how we talk yeah. about these things as well yeah. because um i am always kind of i don't speak to Yusuf a lot about this that uh, especially duat and maybe traditionally um trained uh duat and scholars and so forth when they talk about these things they end up um reproducing some some um metaphor some imagery some language some beliefs even some metaphysics that yeah. they don't intend yeah. but they just come with saying words like homosexuality heterosexuality for example in in this in this particular context so, yeah. i mean I, I remember yeah uh we did like a youth q a once and uh, a sister just asked also we we asked the parents to kind of you know yeah. leave the room so the, the the teenager they could ask whatever they want so the one sister said you know what's wrong with being gay or lesbian right um and the reaction that the, the normal reaction from the the other brother was like you know the, just the usual thing you know it's not natural Adam, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and all that kind of stuff. But I could tell that that wasn't going to wash because she's expecting that already. Because she's expecting that Muslims are going to be just like Christians. And this is why I kind of disagree with uh, the, the way a lot of us have kind of adopted maybe a right wing, uh, left wing, and right wing approaches to this subject. Because one, 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 one uh, term, Yusuf and I kind of. Uh, Bandy about I think we I don't know who invented I think he coined it is gaytheism, yeah. right? The Muslims actually, Muslims are actually gaytheist, okay? Yeah. Because if we use the word so if we come across like homosexuality is haram, heterosexuality is wajib, right? Mm-hmm. If we use this, I think you know where I'm coming from. I think I've read. Yeah, so you, uh, you yeah, I mean the language is really important. I yeah. I think if I was going to critique the language, I would just say that it's not sufficiently informed on what the language is conveying. Yeah. Right. Especially what the person who's asking the question is going to mm-hmm. take away from the language, because even more sophisticated right-wing actors don't speak like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, heck, even atheist right-wingers like a Doug, uh, Douglas Murray or something mm-hmm. like that wouldn't speak in such an essentialized way. Do they? Murray. Douglas Murray is a Christian. Isn't no, no. I don't I think he's Christian, but he identifies as gay, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I thought he was an atheist. Yeah. I could he's be wrong. an atheist. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he's an atheist. Yeah, yeah. He believes in Judeo-Christian values in general. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't subscribe. Maybe he's a Christian, Murtad. <laughs> Quite possibly. I mean, I don't know his history. Yeah. Um, a lot of those guys who do leave, they still have some affinity for the uh, yeah, for the yeah. culture. Yes. Right. They yeah. they see they see a cultural inheritance in mm. their parents' generation or something that they want to yeah. revive. Um, but nevertheless, when it comes to questions like that, uh, in some ways, it would be nice if we could just rely on very easy sort of appeals mm. to you know, generic platitudes and everybody's good and we go home, right? Maybe yeah. that was enough uh, 15, 20 years ago. It oftentimes isn't enough today, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, an answer like that, you know, who knows? A young sister may interpret that and say, okay, well, what, what are they supposed to do, right? Is that person just like haram? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where we have to dissect it because we say, well, that's not who the person is. That's not sort of our mm. category. That's not yeah. how we conceive of human beings. Exactly. Mm. Right? What, what you're asking sort of framed differently is what, mm. 
like what should we do? What should a person who of no choice of their own experiences predominantly or exclusively homosexual attractions? Mm -hmm. They experience those. You know, how do we regard such person? And then I think we can have a more productive conversation to say, well, those attractions, just like a lot of sexual attractions people experience, if mm. acted upon, yeah. are haram, mm. right? And so when we have just fleeting thoughts, right, we're not accountable for the fleeting thoughts. What we're, what we're duty-bound to do is to resist those thoughts. That's an ongoing mujahadat. Like we can have, we can break things down in mm. different ways, but if it's just left at an undifferentiated level where we're just talking about gay, the gay identity, now sometimes what we've done is we've pit ourselves in the corner and we've reproduced language and concepts mm -hmm. that's actually on their turf, mm -hmm. right? We're actually on their turf now because we are looking at a civic community, right, quote unquote, and we're now talking about people and their humanity and all the rest. And we're putting ourselves in a position to reject the fullness of all of that mm -hmm. in a way that, mm -hmm. you know, kind of loses a lot of where our moral convictions stand in relation mm -hmm. to this entire discussion and it also inhibits our ability to speak to why this entire issue is a problem for us. Mm. Because someone can look at this and say, well, you're just bigoted and hateful yeah. because all you have are just these really reflexive, angry rejections as opposed to something that can engage with this topic and provide me an understanding of why you have an issue with mm -hmm. it. So that's, a, that's a, a, a more nuanced way of looking at things. But... What we discuss, what I discuss with Yusuf and many other kind of du'at and, and mushaykhi as well, is to for us to go a little bit further yeah. and say. So you'll notice maybe Yusuf when he said uh, he was talking, he said someone so and so identifies as gay, yeah. rather than saying so and so is gay, yeah. right? So that's one of the things that we've been thinking about of of maybe offering some uh, advice or guidance to the community of some do's and don'ts, right? Because when when someone says homosexual, heterosexual, whatever, uh, from a Muslim perspective, we know what that person means. We know that, you know, uh, uh, when uh, when 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 a sheikh says uh, homosexuality or homosexual, they're talking about certain behaviors. you know behaviors and actions mm -hmm. of which is haram. They're talking about liwat, talking about mm -hmm. sodomy and so forth. Mm -hmm. But as you know, that's not what your kids are being taught in school to to define as homosexual or heterosexual. It's something beyond that. Right, it's yeah. a species, and in that light, it's it's uh, the, the, it, it's the belief, and uh, and and this is what I try to kind of hone in on as the actual differentiator between Muslims and everyone else in the Western from Western context is it's the actual belief in the existence of uh, a mystical quality inside you, inside every person, called sexuality, and that sexuality is a somatic fact about the body, just like hair color, eye color. Height, you know, whatever. And if you deny someone or, or, or discriminate against someone based on that, it's just like being a racist, white yeah. supremacist, and hence where. And this is, I think, what we need to kind of get across. Not, maybe not, maybe it's not for everyone to dismantle all of that thing uh, theoretically, but at least don't fuel it, right? When talking to our kids, when talking, because if you believe that, or if you give the impression that. We believe that, yep, there's something called homosexual, yep, there's something called heterosexual, yep, there's something called homosexuality, there's gayness, there's straightness, and mm. we, we don't critique that, then you're fighting with one hand behind your back because that discourse only allows two characters. Number one, the enlightened ally, 
who's mm. helping someone become and and express their true, you know, personhood and stuff, because obviously that's a key thing about them according to that you know that those that, that that metaphysics, or number two, you're the bigoted, right wing, um, religious kind of zealot, homophobe, uh, you know, uh, white supremacist that kind of person, yeah. and it kind of makes sense where they're coming from, if we don't critique that issue, if we don't say clearly. You know, mm. this is an issue of us disagreeing with your beliefs mm. yes. of what makes a human human, of what what is key to personhood, of the belief, the existence of gayness and straightness in this binary and so forth. Hence, that's what we mean by gaytheist, yeah. right? What do you think about kind of uh, uh, having a, a, a kind of framework where we we push on our community? Don't fall into these narratives. Don't be forced to express a belief you don't believe in, right? By yeah. Yeah, so there's actually, there's, it's interesting, there's a, a website that the Catholic Women's Forum put together called Person and Identity, mm. and that website, it's focused more so on transgenderism, but they have a ton of material that they've produced for the Catholic, Catholic community that mm. tries to distinguish between a lot of these nuances. What mm. is the Christian view? What is the biblical view of the human person? What is the modern secular view of the human person? They have charts and breakdowns mm. and short videos and things like that. So they have a mm. ton of resources. They even have a network of therapists that are affiliated with them um, that people can go to if they need help. Uh, for Muslims, part of our challenge is that we don't have a lot of resources. Our resources are growing. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about you know, our ability to shore up our discourse, we're very much behind. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of material. Not, we're not going to be at that level of sophistication with the young child. right? With the young child, we may simply talk about the yeah. family and the Muslim family and just what family looks like. Salat al-Rahim, al Walidain, we'll talk about maintaining the ties mm-hmm. of kinship, being good to your parents. Mm-hmm. We'll reinforce some of those values along the way, but it's going to be more simple. And as they grow, it's going to grow with them in age-appropriate ways. Um, there is a course that the Sapiens Institute is going to be releasing, inshallah, you know, probably within the next month, which is free online. Mm-hmm. And that's Dr. Carl Sharif Al-Tubji. Mm-hmm. And that's a 30-hour course wow. on this topic. Mm-hmm. And it goes through a lot of material, including worldviews, mm-hmm. like what is the Islamic worldview? How do you juxtapose or com- contrast that to the modern secular liberal worldview? So it actually goes through a lot of this material. Mm. So it's, you're right, like the discourse has to be shorn up. Mm. Part of the challenge is that we're not just dealing with this issue at the level of the aql. Like we're just, mm. we just need to get people to sharpen their dialogue. We're also dealing with this at the level of just, you know, culture and society. Mm. And that's, that's in some ways the much tougher part of this because we can have a watertight narrative. We can provide a rationally compelling reason for Islam's morality and for why the Sharia is superior to what these people are trying to provide and, and you know, promote. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, you're just surrounded by people who are pro-LGBT, the amount of media that keeps growing promoting mm-hmm. this, corporations, politicians, it's just, it's inveterate yeah. to some degree. And so you're asking yourself, how do I create a context mm-hmm. more collectively that cannot only sort of shield our community to some degree from this, yeah. but also help them navigate at this in a way that's a bit more, um, you know, sort of uh, forthright mm-hmm. and also comprehensive. Yeah. Right. So, and, and, and do you think that because sometimes um, young Muslims, for example, there's a when I hear from you know that we have maktabs and madrasas here, yeah, yeah after school. 
um, classes um, for children. And I he- often hear from these teachers who say, look, the children in my class, um, m- more than ever before, are starting to question things that we believe they took, that, that we all took for granted. Yeah. Yeah. So they would say, how can you be homophobic? If, if the maktab teacher, if the madrasa teacher says, we don't believe in these types of values, we don't agree with that, they will say, how can you be homophobic? You know, These people have the right to live their lives how they want to be, they have the, la- la- they have the right to love each other. And why are we, why are we imposing our values on them? Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes I really think that um, we, it's not just about shoring up um, those young people's ideas about what is our view on these types of relations, but also fundamentally, what is the what is it? What is the link between their understanding about this and just very simple ideas about who who should define what is good and bad, um, what is halal and haram from our perspective, yeah. what are, what are the roles of desires and behaviors within our uh, within within the Quranic narrative, but fundamentally, when I ask young Muslims, um, uh, why are you Muslim? The, the top answer seems to be because my parents are Muslim. Yeah. And that leaves young Muslims very weak because they can't connect why we're asked to do something or not do something or believe in something to a, a, a very firm conviction or foundation. Why are we believe in this? Everybody else believes in this. Why don't we believe in it? Why can't we accept that people should better live how they want? So they're bought into the propaganda because they fundamentally carry such a weak foundation because of the way we sometimes... Um, uh, sometimes um, in, in help them to reach, um, a, a, in essence, a, a, a conclusion about the truth of our purpose and, and meaning for life. Yeah, I think, uh, I think with maktabs and even madaris, some of these specialty places or dedicated locations mm-hmm. where children and even adults are learning uh, the Islamic tradition, mm-hmm. um, obviously there's a lot of value in them because mm-hmm. there's just yeah. a barakah in learning and Absolutely. Allah knows how much people get shielded from just mm-hmm. from being around the book of Allah yeah. subhanahu wa ta'ala and with mm-hmm. other Muslims, Allah knows. Because we do have, we're not just sort of a mind, we have a soul and yes. we're nurturing that in those spaces. Uh, having said that, one of, the, one of the things that I think most people go through traditional studies do is that you can go back, you can go into a lot of the traditional literature and find a ton of resources that can help you navigate shubuhat or mm-hmm. even deviant groups that existed in the past, right? So if, you know, a good student of theology that goes through a madrasa system will know some of the problems with the Mu'tazila, for instance, mm-hmm. or the Qaramita, or different groups that just existed, the Khawarij, mm-hmm. right? Um, depending, you know, some of those groups you'll learn about at a deeper level, others may be more cursory, but nevertheless you'll understand their problems, why there are problems, why there are issues, how we can address them. Mm. Uh, what you don't get with an education like that is, what is liberalism? Mm. What is secularism? How do we address topics like this? Like, how, how do we understand Western modernity? Mm. Right? Wh- how do we yeah. Like, yeah, how, what do we do with... I would say that's even more important than teaching yeah. them th- about some sect that existed a thousand years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah, if, those, if they were revived, then that's yeah. all we had to do. We yeah. have a ton we can draw on. But we either have to repurpose that material in a yeah. way that's pertinent to the specific issues that we're facing, or we yeah. have to draw on new material. Even things like, uh, you know, I was reading a recent book by Joseph Minnick uh, on... Uh, uh, bulwarks of modernity and mm. that's an entire mm. treatment of the way digital technology has shaped our thinking mm. in modern circumstances and has produced and fomented atheism and unbelief mm. right mm. 
And so you have a lot of literature out there we haven't engaged with in a really serious way, nor have we produced a lot in those spaces. And so people who go through a program of traditional studies, you know, and I reward them. You know, they're, they're people who are mm-hmm. Prophet that they're the inheritors of the prophets. The scholars are mm-hmm. the inheritors. And so they're people that we respect, we honor, um, we, we learn from them and we study with them. Mm-hmm. But we do have a challenge at times where we don't have enough people who are both traditionally informed mm-hmm. and also literate about contemporary society and what undergirds it. And sort of getting people up to speed on both of those is not an easy task. One, because, you know, the people people seem to be doing it almost eclectically, right? Mm. Like they're just kind of learning in their free time. Maybe they read an article that they like and they'll take that argument. Mm-hmm. There, there isn't a structured sort of systematic way that people are studying mm. this. Um, and then it's also an issue because there are a lot of people who aren't even studying this. Yeah. And so they'll reproduce their language, their concepts, and it's not just in LGBT and everything, mm-hmm. right? If you didn't know better, you would think Islam is a great religion because it is more liberal than other religions, right? Islam is, mm-hmm. it's more committed to freedom and independence and autonomy and liberation and all of these categories that are pregnant with conceptual assumptions. Mm-hmm. Like it's just loaded and coded language, left and right. Mm-hmm. And you say, wow, like how did this person who's traditionally studied, mm-hmm. how can he be talking like this? But you, you can't really blame people because... It, to some degree, they're just they're using terms that they view as innocuous, and they don't recognize that those terms and categories yeah. are not innocuous at all. And mm-hmm. what's worse is uh, Muslims that are fully not knowing this, but fully subscribe to modern uh, trends and so forth. Yeah. They will end up attacking the scholar, Muslim <laughs> scholar, yeah. because they identify something which is the other camp. You know, yeah. that if they're right wing, then they'll they'll attack him for what appears left wing, mm. and vice versa. But from that vantage point of left, right, or what they've kind of imposed upon the the Islam, or even as a reaction to, you know, uh, I think Jonathan Brown once he said this: there's this continuum, this this uh, sellout versus keeping it real mm. continuum, yeah. right? So people kind of perform being a tough, kind of uncompromising, you know, shadid, anti, whatever. Batil, mm. uh, but in doing so, they've kind of they've run into the hands of the arms of those. So which part of the continuum are you on then? <laughs> I'm Keep not it real. <laughs> what, I'm it real is, what I'm saying is, this is uh, we need to get rid yeah. of these. Well, uh, well, well, you know, it's very difficult to escape sort of the right-left yeah. box. Right? Yes. They say that the Overton window is it's always in flux, mm. but in general, it defines the boundaries of what acceptable opinion is. Yes, and yeah. uh, a lot of Muslims will say things like Islam is not left or right. Mm-hmm. And obviously we'll say, yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But that also means that what Islam says, it doesn't mean that what Islam says is always going to be in the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be to the right of the right. Yeah. It could be yeah. to the left of the left. Yes. It could be off the entire political spectrum yeah. on a whole host of issues. There, it's not predictable or being conditioned by your contemporary political moment. Mm-hmm. And people have to gain comfort with that because you're not filtering your religion on the basis of what's going to be acceptable to... Yes. Yeah to, you know, people's political sensibilities, mm. right? In some ways, they are going to have to challenge those sensibilities, mm. especially when the religion is clear mm. on certain issues. Mm. So it's it's those issues, right? Yeah. Because, you know, th- th- what those issues are, which is uh, has to be kind of unpacked a bit as well, because, um, it, because as a result of us being not being clear, uh, 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 as a result of, of us not being clear, many people just take have taken... 
you know the stereotypes about uh, what what Christians say about um, um, gays and lesbians and so forth, and assume that okay, that's that's our position and, mm. and start arguing and so forth. So, um, th- let's take for example, you know, in the workplace, this is one of the things that is kind of uh, we're asked about a lot, right? Mm. Uh, five years ago, uh, our brothers would say that you know, in a corporate setting, their biggest problem was. You know, what do I do when everyone goes to the bar or the pub after work? And, you know, is it okay if I just go and have an orange juice and stuff? Or they feel pressured, right? They said now, alhamdulillah, it's much more inclusive Mm. of Muslims. And that, you know, they have on on a corporate level that, you know, don't uh, don't have alcohol at events if you have Muslim staff or don't, uh, you know, or basically take Mm. that into consideration. Don't pressurize them into, you know, that. But on the flip side, the things that they're complaining about now... Um, is and this is actually very problematic because we've found brothers who um, and sisters maybe but I've spoken to brothers who actually don't go uh, and apply for leadership senior leadership positions in companies in civil service in uh, whatever corporate setting um, because of this now the, this this LGBT pride is mm. all kind of mixed up and that you know um, and they think they they either have to subscribe to it fully, or they just you know what do they what do they do how do they well, they and need they a language it, you know. they need a language to navigate it they need a language uh, to show their resistance mm. from a Muslim perspective, but without kind of um, being unfaithful to what Islam actually says you know and and one and that's the kind of next uh, I guess roadblock for them and it's very important because they're actually stopping. We're, we're, we're having um, You know There's like a glass ceiling for them right Yeah, uh, in, or, in, or, yeah in some ways You know One I, I think That Sometimes people are going to have to make sacrifices In the name of their religion Right That's There's no You know Allah didn't promise us That mm. we can do whatever job we want Irrespective mm-hmm. of what that job entails You know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides Inshallah mm. there's more barakah And the rizq That they take home um, from the lower position than perhaps the higher one that they mm-hmm. could have pursued, but they refrained from taking um, by due to their consideration for their faith. You mm-hmm. know, may Allah reward them for that. Uh, I think as a community, ideally, in a situation like this, it wouldn't just be left up to individual actors to have to fight this, mm-hmm. you know, one situation to another, where they're yeah. walking into a workplace and saying, look, I want this position, but here's, here's why it's a problem for me. Ideally, we would have Muslim institutions and organizations yeah. that could represent what Islam has to say mm. and do something that could then come to uh, perhaps change corporate culture mm. at an aggregate level, mm. right? Yeah. So whether it's you know, engaging with different business communities or even politically doing advocacy work. Um, I look at something like the Navigating Differences Statement that yeah. was recently released in North, uh, North America. Those types of things help people in those positions where if there's a Pride Week event and now I'm an individual at my workplace and I don't want to attend, I don't simply have to send an email yeah. saying, look, I'm uncomfortable with this, but I can say, this is what my religion says. Mm. By the way, here's a statement that you know, hundreds of scholars have signed. And Yusuf so, has, a, has an idea in that regard. Okay. What's the idea? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about... Okay, I can just... I can reproduce it here and just <laughs> claim it as my own. But I have a kind of... Uh, an index of, of, of companies, yeah. mm. right? A kind of scoring system um, where how Muslim-friendly is it? right? Mm. Because, you know, Muslims represent a bigger and bigger slice of the workforce. 
and we want our brothers and sisters mm. not to disagree with you but <laughs> to 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 kind of uh, maybe as a caveat we don't want muslims to not go for influential positions i think yeah. we mm. want to have muslims who are grounded in their islamic identity who are quote unquote good yeah, muslims yeah. but from our perspective to go for influential positions and if it does conflict with um something for the, in their deen they they should be able to or we should help as a community to get rid of that roadblock for them and i, I yeah. think you agree with that anyway right that um and and one of the things is like they need a language like the nagmanity difference document which is a good segue <laughs> to, yeah. to talk about well, that well even uh, before that i mean there i know that one of the things that muslim organizations have done in the past is that they've produced trainings like that so yeah. you have a muslim organization that says hey we do sensitivity trainings mm. cultural sensitivity trainings for muslims and we offer these to public schools mm. where you know the administration and staff get to learn about muslims and this yeah. becomes a piece of every in the month of Ramadan here's what's mm. going on here's what you may see Muslims requesting off for Eid mm. and this is just another piece of the puzzle hey Friday prayers this mm. that and then you know for pride week this is impermissible you know you can include that as part of your overall training what is impermissible then what for pride, for, pride week so someone well, might be like, okay why isn't bushra you know um putting a little flag symbol on huh. her scarf. I, I i can't imagine what would be permissible for pri- <laughs> for pride week or pride month right. or pride i mean what 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 would someone feel religiously comfortable doing right, right. i mean in front of a so lot that's, that's the that's the that's yeah. the thing right we need to give them a clear yeah, yeah. i guess because it, it we're not saying you know you have to uh, i don't obviously like harm someone or discriminate against yeah. uh, them in a particular way or not be nice to someone who identifies as gay or lesbian the thing is for me yep. right um i would i find it much more problematic when a muslim is uh, uh, obviously a disengagement from a pride mm-hmm. week is is a uh, pride month is 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 good for muslim to disengage but if they're disengaging from a, for the wrong reason i think that could be more harmful than them just engaging in some kind of whatever at work uh, uh, but having that that understanding that this is my red line this is what, what this is why i disagree with this right because the, uh, it goes back to that thing if if our brothers and sisters are believing that there's something called that's basically believing in lgbt ideology yeah. believing in sexuality right mm-hmm. as a uh, as 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 a as a as a as, as a thing right uh, and then they say i'm not going to um you know uh, in get involved in uh, lgbt pride week month or whatever i think that's far far more damaging than them actually disbelieving in it because it is something it, it it's it's a it's a taghut as far as i'm concerned right that the belief that that these the human beings are individuated in the across these rigid permanent deterministic categories um that you you know we just happen to have discovered 100 years ago 150 years ago if yeah. you believe in that and and don't and disengage from pride month i think that's far worse personally because what are you doing you're just kicking the can down the road and eventually your iman is going to be in trouble because you haven't addressed the so what actual we should do so, in the workplace how would you address that so yeah. you have a conversation with your manager yeah I and think. so how would you say how uh, yeah. would you have almost it's like yeah. a philosophical conversation because i think uh, most yeah, yeah. most workplaces yeah. are jumping on the diversity bandwagon not because necessarily they believe in it they they've invested so much uh, of a conviction in it it's because it's become emblematic of we've got this is this is what diversity is diversity yeah. is everybody should be who they want to be 
Um, and so somebody who is uh, who identifies as gay should be able to live life unencumbered by uh, any 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 uh, forced um, social con- uh, social uh, pressure to yeah. conform to uh, rigid views about what they consider to be sexuality. Yeah. So if somebody wants to identify as gay, somebody wants to identify as lesbian, this is diversity, and we should all uh, we all benefit if we agree to diversity. And it's, mm. it's very it, it's very shallow. It's it's not very uh, it's not very um, uh, it's not very sophisticated, but people who adopt it think they are sophisticated. Like we're we're buying into this yeah. new paradigm. The, the, you know, the thing yeah. is, like I always say, we need we need a range of responses, all the way from mm. the one second slogan, all the way up to the thirty hour, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, series that you, you yeah. mentioned. But we need everything in between as well. Yeah. We can't yeah. expect someone you know who's who's kind of dare caught in their but, headlights. But from the point of view of the Muslim employee, yeah. all they want to do is yeah. see a result where they don't, where they're not compromising their beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. So and they they're not pushed in to do something they don't want. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, and yeah. that's it, right? So I don't think the individual person has to be really adept yeah. at all of these discourses. I, I, I think it's going to be really tough, especially at a corporate level, to convince them out of the human rights framework, mm. because most companies are subservient to whatever Absolutely, is. Pop- yeah. Yeah. So I, I think at the end of the day, all you want to do is try to provide an avenue where people aren't coerced into doing something, yeah. so they can opt out mm. without uh, w- without reprisal. Right, I can opt out, and it's it's not an issue for me. And for adults in general, it's easier to compartmentalize a lot of this stuff. You know, it's not coming back. It's not hurting my career aspirations. It's not a big scandal that I'm not participating in. People understand that I'm Muslim, and because of that, I don't participate in it. Mm. If that gives me an opportunity to talk about this more and explain why I'm not doing it, great. Yeah. In most contexts, it probably won't, because mm-hmm. in most workplace contexts, what's going to happen is that they're going to say. There are HR policies related to a topic like this, and you know you don't have the grounds for engaging in sort of moral deliberations or moral mm. debates. And some of those may even protect Muslims insofar as you can't really question people's beliefs at the mm. workplace, right? You can't make a Muslim, and, that, and that's you know at, at a minimum we want to provide mm. the means where Muslims don't feel like their religion has to get interrogated at work mm. just because they're working somewhere. Yeah. So, I think it, it I, I think we need. Thing, to, sorry, yeah. it's just thing is that. We talked about it before that in my last workplace, yeah. interesting thing, my last workplace for a lot for about two and a half years, my manager identified as gay. Yeah. yeah. See how he said that? Yeah. My manager identified as gay. <laughs> he openly right. take uh, note, people. <laughs> he openly um, uh, it was never he never hit it. He's everybody knew uh, what he how he identified and and he um, yes, he was very open about it. And I've, I had a very, I had a conversation with him about um, about the things that I can and cannot do in regards to uh, to that. I, I, I basically said, okay, literally, people can live how they want. We live in a diverse society; people can choose how to live their life. But I have certain moral perspectives on this issue, and I can't in any way uh, uh, compromise those. And he was like an old school, uh, from yeah. an old school background, and he was like. I fully accept that that position. Now, I would believe that a younger person, yeah, who's more gung ho, um, who, who's not from that old school background, would be less tolerant than he was, and 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 almost say, if you don't accept these fundamental principles about how I live my life, then you are intolerant. Yeah, yeah I think I think workplaces in general right now are much easier than what's happening in schools and mm. other places, because at work you generally compartmentalize all the time. You're just talking about work. Maybe you'll talk sports or the weather. There's just a, enough mileage you can get out of these generic conversations with mm. colleagues where mm. you're daily this not... this is Pride Month. 
Huh. Well, even even Pride Month, <laughs> typically it's not a daily yeah. work conversation. Typically it's not, hey, today's Pride Month, what do you guys think about homosexuality? That's usually not a workplace <laughs> conversation. At most, you might get a work email saying that our company's, you know, uh, acknowledging Pride Month mm. or celebrating Pride Month this month or something like that. There may be a workplace event that occurs to commemorate mm. it or something like that. But usually those events are optional. Typically, up till now, very few yeah. companies really make them mandatory. Yeah. Where people feel the pinch is at senior levels. What about if, what about the question I get asked is, look, in my workplace, we are being asked to put pronouns in, in our email signatures. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do, do you, in that situation, would you push back against that or just say, oh, I'm going to conform to, um, to, to that? And I'll say <laughs> he and him rather yeah. than whatever. What would, well, how would you respond, do you think, in that well, situation? Well, if, if you're just getting asked, I mean, you don't necessarily have to do it, right? I mean, if someone's forcing you to do so, mm. I can't imagine any company would force you to say yeah, you have to. Actually, part of HR policy sometimes say we need to we need people to uh, uh, to to express their pronouns so that there's no like there could potentially be an HR problem if somebody is 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 is, is addressed by the wrong pronoun. So they'll say if you can uh, make sure that everybody has pronouns and names or yeah. it may not be a rule but imagine if your manager does it then there's an expectation that the team has to do it as well so yeah so social, I, pressure, social yeah. pressure yeah so i think we have to distinguish between social pressure and hr policy social mm. pressure i think people just have to have a little bit of confidence right when it comes to an hr policy i mm. don't know that like putting your pronouns in parentheses is something worth losing your job over <laughs> right like I, I don't know that that's the fight that what? you want to take down would, would you think it's a virtue here to say, to refuse to answer the question? To pronouns? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in some ways... I, would you uh, just say, my pronouns are he, him, because I'm a, I'm a man? <laughs> I guess it depends on context, right? Yeah. I guess it depends on context. But by default, I would just, you know, I would as take that as an assumption, yeah. an assumed part of who yeah. I am. And I, think, I don't think people would even question that. I don't think people would question that for most people. The yeah. entire world is capitulating for a very small mm. fraction of the population that is now taking, you know, uh, gender non-binary pronouns mm. uh, or, you know, taking pronouns that aren't consistent with their actual gender. Mm. And suddenly now, like, everyone else has to do the identification game. Um, but I, I think that, again, this is one of those issues where if it actually becomes an HR policy, ideally... A person doesn't have to be in a position where he or she has to fight mm. it, but we actually have organizations, we have advocacy mm. work, we have things that's going on to say, hey, these corporations are forcing their employees, mm. we have institutions that are actually taking them to court over it, and it's not the fight of the individual Muslim mm. to try to work this out. It's, it's something that they can work on, mm. and on the ground level, a person is limiting their, uh, what they have to do, even in the context where they have to do it. Right, and so yeah. and let me so, ask you this: What are your program pronouns? Me? Yeah, well, <laughs> you refuse to answer. Refuse to answer. No. <laughs> but you're yeah, interesting. I, I refuse to identify my brother. No, <laughs> but so, interesting. Yeah. I spoke to this brother yesterday. Yeah. He works in an educational institution, and he said actually this whole pronoun things actually helped me. Yeah. Because my name is Omar. Yeah. And people, when they used to email me out of the blue, they didn't know whether I was a man or a woman. <laughs> now, because I put he and him at the bottom of my email, they know I'm a man. Well, yeah. I, I, guess some Muslim, I guess some Muslim names can do that, right? Because yeah. some people don't, especially when they're unfamiliar with like Arabic names or certain names in different cultures mm. and societies, yeah. you don't know just based on the yes. name whether someone's, uh, someone's male or female. I mean, even for me, I, I remember I was researching something yesterday and I, and I noticed that the, um, that the name of the... Mini the loneliness minister in the UK, mm. her name is Baroness 
Mm. And I didn't know offhand. I guess I should have known with the, yeah. with the S part of it. But Baroness, I said, okay, is that like a male or female? Mm. I don't want to misgender this person is <laughs> or misidentify them because I, it didn't scream to me yeah. one or the other. Mm. And so I, I Googled and it's okay, it's female. And yeah. But that's not a common name in the United you know States at all. Is? Sorry? Do you know who it is? I've got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I do a member of the House of Lords still. Yeah. yeah. But that's not a common name at all in the United yeah. States that you would run the into. The fact that we have a loneliness minister is a whole other kind of yeah. topic of discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she's uh, we're, she's we're global, yeah, it's we're a very, Europe's lead, uh, one of the leading countries in loneliness. Nobody wanted it. Yeah. It's a very lonely existence. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, I would say, and I would say when it comes to people who are gender non-conforming, who tell mm. you my pronouns yeah. are they, them, or whatever, Z, you know, mm. stuff like that. You know, and one in schools. Yeah, well, I, I speak to a parent the other day, and he said, "There's a, a teacher who was female but identifies as male. Yeah. Started to uh, basically uh, um, uh, grow her hair short, yeah. um, wear male clothes, and the, her, she likes. She, she's no longer called Mister. She's called Mixter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the, that's yeah. That's what yeah. that's the, the, all yeah. the pupils like are told. It. You've got to call her Mixter, Mixter Smith, rather than Mister. Sounds Smith. like an MC name." <laughs> Yeah, and so or mixed up, Smith. Yeah. No, I mean in that position, what you try to do is you try to limit the extent to which you actually have to observe these things. Mm. So if it's like someone named, uh, I don't know, John now or something, mm. and he's it's actually a she, and she now goes by John, and mm. her pronouns now are they them. Let's just mm. throw. Let's take the crazy example, yes. right? Um, I'd say that a person when they speak to this woman, can just keep saying, hey, John, hey, John. Like, when you're yeah. talking directly to someone, you don't use pronouns. Yes. Right? The interesting thing but is... you called her a woman. Huh? But, but the interesting thing <laughs> about the pronouns... Yeah, of course. I mean, I would in another context, but now if I have to observe that they, at a, yeah. as an HR policy, mm. right, I would say, okay, I'm trying to limit the yes. extent to which I'm doing so. Mm. I'm not just getting comfortable yeah. with these, you know... You know, I said to Yusuf once, do you remember, I said to Yusuf as a joke kind of yeah. years ago, yeah. and I'm... I'm I, I, Ever since then, I've thought about it. It's actually quite a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that why don't we encourage to say, so, fine, you can have all the pronouns you want, whatever, 100 genders, but just give Muslims two. Mm. <laughs> Let us have these two, right? And these these are the two that we're going to believe in. Why not? Yeah, well, you know, the, part, the, the significance of this is really the way that they're manipulating language, yeah. right? Yes. And that's not a trivial concession. Because in some ways, you could say it's kind of harmless, right? Mm. You're just mm. sort of talking about people this way. The, the aggregate effect is what begins to happen, yeah. where now you've reconditioned the way the language is being employed mm. and the assumptions that are baked into that language. Now something that I have to invoke and instrumentalize as part of my own discussions mm. with people. And you'd say, no, like that's, that's actually significant. That's really significant. It's not innocent at all when looked yeah. at as sort of the bigger game that's going on. Mm. And so, you know, in context where you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice. But even when mm. you don't have a choice, it doesn't mean you just embrace it. But yeah. the interesting thing is that, you know, in like, because in Urdu, they have a formal way of speaking about people. Yeah. And so I remember my, my, when my wife speaks about her father, she yeah. doesn't say he because that's disrespectful. She says they. Yeah. 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 I spoke to somebody today. The plural said, of majesty. I spoke to my, I spoke to my ustad and yeah. they will meet you tonight. Yeah. yeah. And oh. so we're already using pronouns <laughs> to a certain extent. So um, well, in Urdu, yeah. I, mean, did, I mean, how would you say yeah. they for the... Father, I guess. Because yeah. yeah, I, uh, yeah, because uh, th they they have said that uh, we say in English leaving. as well. When yeah, I, I, we have it in English as well. The royal we. So yeah. uh, when when out of respect, when I say so and so is in the mm. third person, when I say it in the second person, I don't say you is. Mm. Uh, some. But like some in order to use like yeah, say you things. are. Mm. You don't so really have a clear like he or she. I mean, it's yeah. a gender language, but but you don't have a clear he or she. You would say mm. like up, right? Yeah. Which is yes. sort of. Uh, 
Yeah, I think the issue is the gender thing, not yeah. the pronouncing. The pronouns yeah. are just but, like a. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah. what was I going to say? No. But I think one, one thing I'm interested in is this fact that you know, yeah. there's um, parents always speak about you know how almost how how quickly the tide has changed. You know, like oh, only about five yeah. years ago in this country, yeah. these lot of these discussions that are happening now are not weren't happening then yeah, around yeah. how quickly people have adopted this idea of pronouns how quickly people have accepted or seem to publicly accept the fact that somebody can change gender yeah. or the fact that somebody um, can can love who they want to love yeah, yeah. and so and even though people may have niggling doubts about this privately in relation to the lgb stuff now the t in the tea yeah. area of the tea, there's more public um, uh, uh, attacks or, or or disagreements about that. But what do you think are the? Why do you think things have changed so quickly, almost seemingly overnight, around yeah. this? What is it that some people say the LGBT lobby has achieved something uh, that nobody else has achieved because they've put a lot of money, a lot of hard work, a lot of effort into that? Now, how would you characterize? Culture, yeah, how would you characterize? Some people say it's because of the way. Um, uh, the left-wing sc screenwriters in Hollywood have introduced all these uh, LGBTQ characters into the films, uh, into the programs. So the way popular culture has accepted that. What what do you, what would you say are the key factors in almost this overnight change of yeah. acceptance of LGBTQ identities? Well, I don't think it's just one issue, right? Mm -hmm. I think there are a number of things that are coming together and converging mm -hmm. to produce a social context. And you know, it's it's like a seed, right? Mm -hmm. A seed can germinate and grow and flourish and thrive if it has the right soil with the right pH mm. and it receives the right level of irrigation yes. and sunlight, like the weather and the temperature. All of these things have to be in a right balance to allow that tree to give bare fruit yes. and to grow. Um, in some ways, what you've had with the LGBT movement is you have all of those conditions perfectly lined up for it to flourish and thrive mm -hmm. um, socially and for it to sort of win the culture and win the moment because you have uh, you have what some scholars have referred to as expressive individualism you have uh, cultural social political liberalism you have secularism you have digital technology and the role that it plays you have politics mm. and you have a really uh, sort of aggressive and angry political environment that has become heavily tri tribalized mm. and what that does is it tends to polarize every discussion and mm activist groups never sort of claim victory and say we've we've accomplished what we wanted it's time for us to go home instead what they do is they keep moving mm. their they, they keep moving the goalpost further and further and further until they can you know keep finding new causes mm -hmm. and that's so there, there's a ton of things that are going on i think all of them are coming together in a way right now which makes this issue somewhat unique and just how aggressive it feels all the time mm. um, but uh, on the T front, I think, you know, the areas where people are expressing consternation and reservations actually shows how far along it is. Mm. Because people are saying, look, we have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Mm. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like sports. Yeah. Right? That's a or, sacred sacred aspect of life, isn't it? Right. And it's, <laughs> we're seeing things that are so absurd in the domain of sports. Mm. Like, these men are just dominating women in sports. Mm. And... You mean uh, trans women? Yeah, trans women. Yeah, they're just dominating them yeah. in sports, and everyone knows that that's going to happen. And still, 
a sort of angry minority of voices are speaking up on that and saying what's plainly evident to everybody. Mm. And yet, in spite of that, it continues to get pushed and promoted. Mm. I think the key for us, though, is not to jump into the some yeah. of the U.S. culture wars and yeah. pick a side, yeah. but to re- stay outside of it from a distance, saying, mm. look at the look mm-hmm. at what philosophical, political, cultural foundations, even their religious foundations, really, what they actually led to. Yeah, right? so I think I think you and often alternative. Yeah, to, I think, to the world. I think it's in some ways you have to do multiple things at once. One is you mm. have to try to, you have to thoughtfully enter a dialogical space that's very hostile and confrontational. Mm. And you have to try to navigate it in a way that isn't beholden to it, but instead is beholden to your own beliefs and faith. Mm-hmm. And where that puts you, like I said, it doesn't matter, right? In some ways, it doesn't matter where that puts you. If it puts you to the right, to the right, if it, puts you to the left, it really doesn't matter. You're just mm-hmm. trying to understand your own convictions mm. relative to this conversation topic in this moment. And you're trying to educate and inform your community on it in a way that allows them to understand it in the context of what's going on. Mm. At the same time, you do have to have some work that is engaged in actual, like, sort of social and cultural work. Like, you have to do some work there. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, and that's tough. That's very messy work. It's, it's much easier, actually, not to do that work at all. Mm-hmm. But if you're not engaged in the political or legal front, you're not going to be represented mm. when these things are actually impacting you directly. And so, you know, one of the challenges that we have right now is that LGBT organizations are well-funded. They have dozens and dozens of researchers. They have people that have, if they go to a school, let's say they go to a school in London, they go to school in Maryland, mm. U.S., anywhere. They have research and studies about how LGBT education helps LGBT youth, mm. how it helps non-LGBT youth. They have outcome studies. They have, um, they just have a huge stack of research that they can bring to the table. They have lesson plans. They have recommended mm. books. They have material that is ready to go and turn key for schools. Schools mm. have to do nothing. They have sessions. They have, or they have so much that they've done already. And when Muslims oppose that, they have angry parents. Mm. That's what we have. We don't have studies. We don't have books. We don't have material. Mm. We, we have very little that we can present. In many places in the West, we don't even have scholarly voices that can go there mm-hmm. and say, you know, Islam's against this. Yes, they have nothing they can point to, right? Talking what, about scholarly voices, I just yeah. like to because you spoke about navigating differences, and I wanted sure. to um, just ask you a bit to, sure. uh, about that in terms of you're one of the signatories of that statement, I am. Yeah. and so I wanted to ask about what was the context behind, uh, if you know the context behind um, that statement being produced. Like, what was it, what was the reason why there was this uh, the, 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 that the scholars felt there was a need to produce this. Um, yeah. So, so my own feeling is if you ask, you know, 20 different signatories of navigating differences, you'll get 20 different answers. That's, that's the impression so that the I get. So what's the Labine answer? Yeah. So all I can do is represent why I signed it. Yes. And because I'm one name, there's now over 300 names. But your name right. is quite high on the list, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's that high, actually. It I think is, it's is, lower. Did it, did it have his third line. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. Did it have his okay. pronouns on it? Yes, it says, it says they, them. They, them. And, no, I, <laughs> and it's unaffiliated name. It's just the yeah. names there. And but so, you're the only non-sheikh on there. I looked through the whole list. Yes, that's true. Oh, so that's a bit offensive, bro. No, 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 he's right. That's right. It's Ustad. No, 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 I'm not. So they, they, <laughs> they put you on yeah. that list for a reason. If I was to ask to be on that list, they would say, there's the door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess you're not in North America. I've been so called worse. That's why. 
No, and even a stud is being generous, right? But um, mm. but the uh, when I so they gave me a review of the statement. I provided some feedback. Alhamdulillah, mm. they took almost the, all the feedback exactly. I provided. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a couple of areas that they didn't. Um, what, but, was that, what was those different? No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, so. How did you navigate those differences? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that's a discussion sure. topic on its own. Um, but uh, I looked at this specific, because I live in Maryland, yes. right? And we had ongoing issues that were taking place at the school board level, mm. and it was expanding. So there were other counties that were considering mm. this. And we already had issues at the school board level where we had Muslims showing up mm -hmm. who were in favor of pro-LGBT teachings. We had Muslims that were against it. Muslims were at the epicenter of the debate. Mm -hmm. Really, they were at the center of the debate. And you have a large Muslim community there. And we have, in recent years in the United States, we've had a number of Supreme Court cases mm -hmm. that have revolved around homosexuality or transgenderism. 303 Creative, the Christian Baker case, all these cases, they're not necessarily... Uh, you know, dealing with Muslims themselves, mm. but the rulings impact uh, yeah. the extent to which Muslims can live faithfully yeah. on an issue like this. And so the stakes have actually been ones that Muslims are going to be impacted by. Mm -hmm. And when you look at those cases, every single brief that a Muslim organization in America has submitted has been in support of the LGBT side and mm. against religious freedom. Um, and so the major sort of civil rights organizations in America, for the most part, until very recently, have been either relatively silent or mm. in favor of you know, LGBT rights, even at the expense of the rights of Muslims mm. who are trying to live faithfully um, in public life. And so that was, that's big. Um, and now you have counties, you have all these areas, and you don't have an authoritative document mm. that you can point to so that Muslims can hopefully start producing briefs mm. that use that mm. to help represent the Muslim mm. position so that you can have Muslims that show up at the workplace or at school boards mm. and say, this is what Islam has to say. And so the way I viewed it was as a contribution that can help in these very particular contexts. It's not yeah. a document that I'm going to give to a non-Muslim for mm. the purpose of da'wah. It's not a pedagogical tool or an mm -hmm. instrument that I'm going to introduce in an Islamic school to teach yeah. children. Mm -hmm. But it's a statement that I can take to a company mm -hmm. that's trying to pressure me into attend mm -hmm. Pride Month and say, look, it's, it's not mm -hmm. just me. Here's a link to a website. You have over 300 imams. Yeah. And it's an and in authoritative that sense, it statement. It has to be as streamlined as possible. You can't have everything in it. It has to be very yeah. specific and concise to the point. Absolutely. And so it's yeah. not terribly long. I think yeah. it. I think substantively, there's nothing in it that I thought was terribly controversial. There were a couple of things, perhaps here and there, that people quibble with. But I think overall, it sort of represents what Islam yeah. says in the principled way. And uh, you know, for me, I, I I looked at the aggregate benefit that could have in these various domains of life, mm -hmm. especially when I looked at what's happening in Canada, what's happening in my mm -hmm. own local mm -hmm. jurisdictions, and in some ways, I think the outcome of it has vindicated it. Because mm. it has been used in many of those contexts. It has motivated many people to speak out when they wouldn't have before. So it's actually encouraged a lot of Muslims to do yeah. things that they wouldn't have done in mm. its absence. Um, in addition to that, it's actually motivated a number of imams who previously were concerned about this but didn't have a voice mm. to talk about this. 
where now they can look at that and say, okay, now I'm going to start speaking and I'm going to use that as a, as a sort of platform for me to catapult my own discussions mm-hmm. about this in my community settings. Yes, yes. And so this past June, we had more khutbas on this topic than we've had in the past decade mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I didn't expect all of that to occur. I just thought at a minimum, it would be helpful for Muslims that are in these very particular predicaments. Mm-hmm. And yet it has actually been beneficial in other areas that I didn't fully anticipate. Yeah. Very good, alhamdulillah. Yeah. You know, um, we had a similar one in the UK, isn't it? A few years ago. Yes. Okay. You might, have seen the, yeah. you might have seen the Birmingham school okay. kind of uh, protest, protest and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, like um, uh, Yusuf was saying, you know, like how he spoke to his boss, yeah. his manager, right? That's the kind of thing we want to get across. That this is how you can have a... That in terms of what's our vision, right, at the end of this, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, not long, long-term vision about, you know, everyone entering Jannah and everything, but a, a kind mm-hmm. of clo- a near vision of what does an, a, a positive outcome look like? What are we actually working towards? What do we want here, right? Mm-hmm. Do we want to just be angry parents? Or do we want to have... Come to a kind of uh, an, uh, a solution which is like a win-win for all parties. Can we be both? No? Well, yeah. I, well <laughs> it could be angry if you want. Yeah. Well, well, you I mentioned a phrase. I wrote it down actually. What was that? Yeah. That you're you're uh, you're you're able to opt out without repri- reprisal. Mm. Yeah. Right? that's a good. Let me write that down. Kind yeah. of. Uh, well, uh, I guess. Well, I think there's there's sort of the short-term yeah. aims and objectives. So even in Maryland, the situation's not great. What we're what we're trying to do and what parents are trying to do there is say that their children in public schools should be entitled to opt out of teachings mm. on subjects related to sexuality and gender. They just mm. want to opt out. They're not even objecting to the teachings, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Which shows just how far this is, right? Ideally, those teachings wouldn't even be introduced mm. at such young levels or in the public school. So when it comes to just the general advocacy work, in some ways, you know, there's the short-term issues that are going to come up situationally mm. that you're just going to have to combat and try to argue against as yeah. best as you can. Yeah. And understanding the situation and the limitations that exist Mm -hmm. alongside that you do want a program that exists that it is at least making efforts to try to shift the culture and that's trying to offer a voice to society Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i mean commanding the good and forbidding the evil at Mm -hmm. a minimum we're just trying to say look this is allah's guidance Mm -hmm. right this is allah's guidance and at a minimum perhaps Mm -hmm. we'll be forgiven in front of Allah. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps we'll be forgiven in front mm-hmm. of Allah because we see what happens to the complexion of a society that mainlines transgression at such aggressive levels and that normalizes and celebrates it. And that's not a healthy outcome mm. because what that does is, you know, transgression, fahisha, it, it's, it's contagious, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a reason, in many ways, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden these things. It's not without wisdom. And we have to recognize, and we're seeing that. We're seeing mm-hmm. it every single day. You keep asking yourself, why do these things worsen? Mm-hmm. Right? Why, why don't they stop? And it's almost the nature of sin, especially certain types mm-hmm. of sin, that they get worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. until and unless you try to draw people back and get them to understand what an ethical and moral life looks yeah. like. And that's why when you talk about even teaching our children or teaching our youth, mm-hmm. It's, it's not about taking homosexuality and transgenderism for special treatment and saying, here's, here's how we can address this and talk mm-hmm. about this as Muslims. It's about giving them a view of Islam's socio-familial ethics as a whole, where they understand mm-hmm. the Muslim family, 
where they understand the importance of nasab mm-hmm. and you know inheritance mm. and uh, you know maintaining the ties of kinship and being good to your parents and the status of mothers in Islam mm. and all the rest there's so much and even how we interact as men and women with khalwa and mm. ifa and hayat modesty you have all of these things and it's a very rich tradition mm-hmm. and I think the picture the portrait that gets painted when people learn this is mm-hmm. very beautiful it really is it's profound and it, you look at it and you say subhanallah like this is this is a, mm. a tremendous contribution that Islam is bringing to the table, especially in light of our societies and what's going on mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You compare it to what people see outside, you say, this is a different world. Mm-hmm. And when we can not only teach that, but we have communities that are embodying mm-hmm. it, where they are seeing the lived reality of what Islam actually says, I think that becomes a really powerful counter to what society is trying mm-hmm. to push onto us. And we need... We need um the whole suite of means to get that yeah. to people, right? The, the the media, the stories, the narrative production, the mm. film, yeah. the books, because that's how you that's how you present and project a cultural kind of. Because a lot of the things you said, or the virtues about Islam, yeah. unfortunately, the pro LGBT, yeah. uh, you know, Muslims, they'll use a lot of the same of a lot of the same, uh, you know, uh, narratives and language. Not to say that they're anywhere near as you know, um, uh, numerous and significant. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the other day that, you know, they actually, you know, uh, we kind of give more credit than, than, uh, than, than, than is due in terms of inflating the number of pro-LGBT Muslim kind of organization. We don't want to kind yeah. of scare the community that this is a big thing. But um, we have to understand that their perspective so that we can address the actual issue, mm-hmm. right? Because their perspective is not where... We're normalizing uh, fahisha. Yep. Their perspective is they have a a mistaken belief, right? Mm. And they're building something on top of that mistaken belief. Mm. Okay. No, well, well the From the Muslim perspective, at least. Well, right? their the well, their perspective is that they are embarking on a moral project. Yeah. They believe that they're doing something that is good and fundamental to humanity. Yeah, yeah. Right. They they look at themselves as sort of freedom fighters at yeah, times. Yeah. It's almost as if they're they're the one that people who abolish slavery. They're yeah. the equivalent in today's society. We oh, are, yeah. Yeah. we are destroying this this huge oppression. It's it's a civil rights battle. Yeah. Yeah. The, the motif is always magnanimous. Mm. We where they to, situate themselves historically. Yeah. But we have to actually address. Huh. That mistake, though, huh. that mistaken belief, because it's an issue of the the underlying underlying philosophy mm-hmm. of yeah. personhood and humanness. Like, uh, w- one, I mean, one thing we suggest is going a bit on the front foot, right, and huh. saying, um, not on. We don't. We don't just want. Okay, opting out is is good. Obviously, we want to opt out. But how do we articulate that? Do we say I want to invoke my right as a Muslim to opt out of these things? Fair enough, but. If we're asked, we should be clear that the reason I'm opting out is because you're the one who's trying to proselytize something mm. upon others. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to impose, uh, impose your beliefs, mm. which you completely and accidentally, historically speaking, ac- uh, you know, inherited because you were born in this time and place with the, uh, to those parents, right? You're imposing your beliefs on our children, for example, and that's what we're opting out of. Mm. Not that we agree. Yeah. That you're 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 embarking on some completely neutral kind of teaching of just facts as they are out mm. there in reality in an unbiased way, and we want to opt out of that because of our religious quirks or whatever. Yeah. No, we are invoking that you be tolerant. 
Yeah. So we, I think we, we need to f- uh, shift the the lens there mm. to actually uh, uh, accuse those who are trying to in, enforce and and uh, proselytize and indoctrinate uh, other people. We need to try and force the force that onto the agenda. That look, this is why I'm I'm opting out. And um, um, I think it's very important to get the global picture as well because. I mean, we were talking about uh, a few days ago, um, Malaysia, mm-hmm. there was, it was in the news, Malaysia, um, so the company Swatch, right? Okay. They had some LGBT coloured, rainbow coloured watches that they were kind of selling and the Malaysian government are, uh, ordered for them to be kind of taken off the shelves. It was a massive okay. thing, homophobia obviously, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then um, a rock band mm-hmm. called 1975, they, uh, you know, when they saw this, what Malaysia did, out of protest, they cancelled all their kind of tour okay. in Indonesia. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> but actually, but actually <laughs> when I read the article, it wasn't that. It was that um, in in the that, that that it wasn't that that they they were actually Indonesia because they attacked a lot of these countries for their regressive policy. So Indonesia yeah, yeah. banned them, and because of that, then they couldn't go to Malaysia. So it wasn't that they decided not to do that, but they. But I think the no, ba- no, no. The the band, yes, they cancelled the the the, but the I think rest that of was, their tour dates. That was because they that was because yeah. they they were banned from protest. Indonesia. But it, was, it wasn't their decision. Well, it wasn't their decision. But anyway, no, let's, let's we just saw that upstairs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, even if it was their decision, I mean that's great. Yeah. But, yeah, but the was, point is, my, my point was, who was not in seventy five? Yeah, I know. I heard like, of them. Who cares? Yeah. yeah I just heard them in the news. Yeah. It's but not as the if there is, was some great thing that we lost yeah. now because yeah. of this. No. But uh, I think that the the point is the narrative. Right? We don't want our young brothers and sisters um, not recognizing what yeah. the, what's really at play here, and that is. Yeah. Uh, don't buy swatch watches. <laughs> and that, this is, a, uh, you know, this episode is sponsored by Apple Watch. Just kidding. Uh, what we want to get across is this is a global. I think Joseph Massad calls it like the Gay International, mm. right? Yeah. This is a global attempt to enforce uh, and otherwise enforce a metric upon which Muslims are otherized, mm. right? He he has three chapters in his very important book. Islam and liberalism, right? Yeah. So, t- so, you know, essentially, the, the, the goes back to, right to the beginning of the conception of Europeanness, right? To to define what is European and the Euro-American, yeah, the, yeah. therefore, right, in contradistinction to the other, right? The the Muslim, the infidel, the Mohammedan, whatever, the Moors, mm. uh, to and 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 in doing so, you kind of project all your own insecurities mm. onto them. Uh, chapter one, I think, was the democracy despotism binary. Chapter two is women's rights, and chapter three is the gay international. Right. Mm. So this is a global kind of agenda, not necessarily to uh, to spread fahisha. That's probably some people have that intention anyway. But on mm. a policy level, uh, and on a, uh, a kind of discursive level, it's to to reproduce the othering of Muslims as uh, and 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 the, the 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 twin kind of colonial impulses. Or to dominate and to civilize. Well, there's right? the dominate civilize, but there is the extent to which they want global Muslims to conform. Mm. They want to be able to set the moral terms for the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Because there is sort of the Western hubris. Mm. The Western hubris is always there. That's right. And yeah. one yeah. of the things, one of the reasons why this is such an important issue for us to speak out on is because we live in countries that have global influence. Mm. Yeah. And they exercise that global influence repeatedly. Mm. If you look at a country like the UK, you have had sheikhs and imams that have been 
prevented from entering the country because of statements that they've made on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Now that sends a message to a lot of du'as who say, well, I'm not sure that I want to talk about this if it's going to lead me to being banned from entering yeah. the UK, mm-hmm. France, Germany, I, like I Denmark. I was speaking to a prominent sheikh. Yeah. Um, I won't say which country we're in, yeah. but he said I was offered, I was I was approached by, um, I think, members of the European Parliament or uh, prominent members in the mm. EU, representing the EU countries, saying, I we will pay for you know first class tour, giving you you giving lectures all over the Muslim world, mm. right? And all you have to say is, you know, uh, um, if a woman wears hijab and she identifies as a lesbian, that's fine. Mm. <laughs> 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 this is a yeah. this is an international sheikh, right? He's got yes. millions of followers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's precisely what's happening. But so, but some people are uh, ideologically driven for that. They believe that and want yeah, to spread if that. If you look at grants, but in terms of yeah. the structures, yeah. it, uh, the, the the structures don't necessarily have to believe in that that stuff. But what they're trying to do is use that as a stick to beat Muslims with. Because yeah. of foreign policy goals, because of yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think both of, of those things yeah. are going on, right? I think people do look at Muslim societies when they liberalize as a success story. Yeah. Mm. They look at that with success and glee, because they've now they've now produced societies that actually reflect their own cultural yes. norms and values. Yeah. They want to see that. Western Pe- people whiteness. can't help but do that one. Yeah, they can't help but do that. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 are not at home with the idea that these other countries are different and mm. so when we speak out against these things it's not just about the limited yeah. impact that we're going to have on our yeah. schools and our children yeah, yeah. it's also about the way in which our countries are using this issue as a bludgeon yeah. against so much of the muslim world yeah. and are making it yes. untenable for these countries we saw that the world yeah. cup in Qatar, yeah, but recently yeah. there yeah. was another example where we, we were reading before the session about this this world service um, bbc journalist yeah. who mm. went into morocco and started in a press conference in front of the world's media started to interrogate the captain of the w- moroccan women's i think football team and ask her questions about what do you think about the moroccan law which prohibits um, same sex relationships and uh, uh, which um, where, where somebody is imprisoned or fined heavily for that? Do you think that's acceptable? And even other journalists were saying this this out this questioning was completely out of order. Now, first of all, yeah. this is this is a footballer. Now you wouldn't go to a, like a um, a footballer in another country and and ask them about the political situation in their country and say what do you think about the conservative government's uh, austerity package and the fact that they're reducing benefits for the poorest in our society. What do you think about that? They wouldn't yeah. think about doing that, but. It's, it's it's, like, it's this, almost this colonialist mentality that we have to impose our default yeah. values upon the world, and you ha- these are the only values you can really accept to dominate and, so, and civilize. And so you've got to you you got to you've yeah. got to almost either say I don't agree with that, or you come out as as a bigot and and say that you 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 accept that um, yeah. and accept that binary. That's the only time they talk about binary is when they have uh. these two positions. <laughs> well, well, and, and Muslims have to be prepared to get criticized and attacked. Mm. Look, what's, what's happened in the United States and Canada with Muslim parents pushing back. Yes. In recent weeks, we've had Jen Psaki, who's now with MSNBC. Mm. Yes. She used to be the White House communications director and correspondent. She came out and she did a whole segment about Muslims and how they're being manipulated by mm. the right. Uh, um, Mehdi Hassan yes. right, has done an entire segment on MSNBC on this mm. topic. Wajahat Ali was That's printed right. yes. in yes. the New York Editorial. Times accusing the Muslims of being, becoming right-wingers on mm. this and 
saying that they need to stop. So you have all of these voices that are coming out of the blue yes. and coming together to develop a story and narrative to scare Muslims out of this mm. <clears throat> and, and to malign Muslims who are actually engaged in advocacy work to protect their own children. Yeah. Right? But, like but that's, that's what they're doing. They almost see that Muslims are so weak that yeah. they can be used by any political forces around them yeah. to uh, to fulfill but, their plans. Isn't unfortunately, it? it's true though. Yeah. Well, well, not no, I don't agree with that. well, not not Muslims only that. Being, uh, there's uh, an extent to which that they they look at Muslims as almost mindless, right? Yes, yes. But it, it's also the way in which they are so like allied hmm. and tethered to their own political doctrine. Like hmm. they can't help but see things through their own lens because hmm. they are almost dispositionally liberal. They think everyone else has to be conservative and liberal, just yeah. like that. And you know, it's, you're I, using I your think, own framework to define others yeah, other, against. Your I own feel work. like telling these people sometimes we're not you. Mm. We're not obsessed with right and left wing politics the way you That's are. Right, yeah, mm. yeah. right. That's your world. You mm. live it. The rest of us don't. Yes. I, I don't know about the U.S. S- yeah. situation, but I, I, I still feel that we, we as a community, have a, some small part of blame. Uh, yeah. On our shoulders for that because we do actually yeah. reproduce left wing and right wing kind of. But, but to, um, to a certain extent, know, the uh, accusation in the UK is that Muslims are too tethered to the left rather yeah. than to the right. Yeah, because mm. we've had this unhealthy um, for some affiliation things, yeah. to the Labour Party. Whatever the Labour Party does, mm. we seem to want to support them. Whatever, whether mm. they for, for support our interests or not. But there's never been really that. That that uh, that's that's that almost that's almost mindless support for the right in that same way. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and we we haven't had any mindless support for the right. It's only mm. been a couple of protests, and now people are accusing yes. those individuals yeah. of, yeah. of yeah. being it, manipulated it, by it, the right. I think but if we if we make our language a bit more airtight, yeah, yeah and and uh, our messaging very simple, mm. very uh, yeah. clear. Uh, very distinct from right-wing kind of messaging as well. Yeah. I think we can fortify ourselves but against those. You can but try, how, do you think, but how do you think our messaging has uh, yeah. has been almost right-wing? I don't really think that that's... One, of the, one of the things is, yeah. for example, I noticed, right? Yeah. Um, for example, not to attack you or anything. No, no, please. You, you use the no, word homosexuality. Ahead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what I would suggest is, for example, is like we, we, tra- we train Yusuf up here. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of saying homosexuality or transgender, I think transgenderism is, is, is semi-okay to use yeah. as a term. But if you say homosexuality, I know what you mean. Yeah. He knows what you mean. But the, the, the left-wing ear yeah. hears that as you are against a political um, category, an identity, well, a personhood. Well, the way I'm right. using it is as a... As a Conceptual ideological phenomenon. Yeah. So I, I don't. I, I know in a in a in a kind of um, uh, academic setting. Yeah. That's that's perfectly fine. But yeah. In in the public sphere, I mean, we did this media training thing once a few years ago, and they said, um, <laughs> they said your your messaging, your media messaging, has to be understood by the the farmer in Texas. Mm. Oh. I don't know if there's something against yeah. Texan farmers. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't know either. But basically a thick person, a dumb person that has yeah. to understand your messaging. And when we say words like trans, gay, even straight, yeah. right, without qualifying them, like he, like we're saying, yeah. for example, someone identifies as whatever. If we just say it as it is like that, mm. we kind of give the impression that we believe in the philosophical, found, the ontological foundations of these. Well, I, I think it depends uh, on how. I, d- I think it depends on the context, mm-hmm. because it's, there's going to be times where you may use language, but you're not compromising yeah. your entire mm-hmm. ontology. Um, but nevertheless, I think that 
you know, when it comes to media narratives, you're always going to be limited because even yeah. on issues yeah. like this, the left is not going to portray you in a sympathetic light. So you're not going to get your message out on liberal media platforms. Yeah. You could potentially use right-wing media platforms that may be more amenable to what you're saying, but mm. then you're going to get disparaged immediately. You're going to get disparaged yeah. by all those people on the left mm. and potentially people on the right who are Otherwise uncomfortable yeah. with you being yeah. on it. So you have I, to I think we have to recognize that there are some limitations given the current media climate yeah. with what you're going to be able to yeah. do. Um, but I mean, I saw this. This I think it was Maryland. I saw a sister huh? in hijab huh? giving like a speech at like sure. a yeah, school yeah. board or something. That was a school board here. Yeah. That was yeah. really. That was. I found that was a really good positive yeah. kind of. The, the, but because huh. I think, as far as I remember, she didn't use these terms as though. No, mashallah. That was the. Um, was very good. Yeah. Sister Samira Munshi. I think. Yeah, yeah. Job. I think that's the Great one. Great job, yeah. mashallah. Yeah. So that yeah. was a really good uh, mashallah example. Yeah. Um, and that's what we tried to do as well in that in that Birmingham statement because the point is, look. If your back's against the wall and you know, or a kid is being questioned or interrogated or whatever, or at work or something, you need something short and snappy. Oh, yeah. And if we say uh, uh, we don't, we don't agree with homosexuality or whatever, yeah. um, that's not going to cut it. That's yeah, that's that that's too yeah. open to being attacked by lefties as of some right wing kind yeah, of. Yeah, well, I th uh, I think trope. you know, mashallah, I think Sister Samira did a great job, yeah. and I think a number of other parents there have as well. Mm -hmm. The thing is, even her video it went somewhat viral. Mm -hmm. I think it got a couple of hundred thousand views, mm -hmm. but that's just an independent YouTube video that got you know that went somewhat viral. Yeah, it's yeah. not the Washington Post, New York Times, MSNBC, CNN, mm -hmm. which is producing the alternative, right? Such that if a person on the outside is actually reviewing this issue. They're, mm. they're not going to form their political judgments on the basis of a viral yes. YouTube video yeah. unless they came across it, in which case they may be a little bit more conscientiously informed about what's going on. Mm. Most of the time, their positions are going to be informed by mainstream media outlets. Yes. And I only say this because mm. if you look, if you look at the Sunnah of the MBA, I don't think any of us would say that they had a bad discourse. Every single one of them were maligned and attacked. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. They were called dumb and stupid. They were called, um, you know, sorcerers. They were called crazy. Like that is, mm. it's almost the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. that if you're standing up for truth, people are going to attack you. And there may be times that where you can mitigate that, right? Where it's obviously our duty to exercise wisdom. Mm. And wisdom is going to entail different things. Sometimes in, yeah. in certain circumstances, wisdom is going to be muscular. Mm. And other times it may be tempering down that muscular narrative. But I, I do think that anybody that speaks out on this should be prepared mm. for getting heavily attacked in ways that they may not have previously. Mm. Yeah. So what um, do you think about, from a thought leadership perspective, one of the, one of the kind of um, guidelines we give to the Muslim community when talking about this is, say, for example, don't use words like homosexual, heterosexual, homosexuality, heterosexuality, but use in ter instead terms from our own tradition, right, or our own framework. And if you want to, somebody does identify as gay, you don't say that's a gay man. You say that's a man who identifies as gay. Do you yeah. get what I mean? The, the yeah, subtle yeah, yeah. difference. Yeah. Or um, and so some people might say, well, we, that's the word, you know, we have to use the words, the, their words, and, and um, you well, know, what we, else should we use? We, we, might, we might teach them what, like, what people are conveying when they're saying that they're gay, that there's so mm. much going on at once. We want to understand what it is. I think that's, that's really good for the longer, more in-depth yeah. stuff, but I think for a very short kind of medium messaging or a, or a quick slogan or something or, or just yeah. general rules for every, everyday speech, I think 
that's that's an easy thing for us to kind of I guess institute yeah, even, or even um, or even you know you'll say well you know we're we're against homosexual behaviors right I think even that, that I think that I think I would say we should tr- avoid that I don't know because I mean I think that's pretty self I mean homosexual behaviors you're qualifying it I know what you it. mean yeah you know I, know I know what Muslims mean when they say that but again yeah. when when the young person is homosexual yeah they're thinking of a category of human being yeah, well, I think the young person's probably not going to get conceptual nuance, anyways. Especially really young. I, I it depends. That, it depends how young yeah, they yeah, are. Not but, really young. but I but think I mean, many. Young I, when I when I spoke yeah. about this to that that uh, group of teenagers I, I mentioned, yeah. I think we under, underestimate the intelligence because when I actually started explaining, you know, I said, "Look, the question is wrong. Yeah. Gayness, lesbian, it's not an issue of being. So, what's wrong with being gay or lesbian?" I said, "There's an assumption in the question. Who knows what you know." Um, uh, what a social construct is, for example, like money. Yeah, is there a difference between a five pound note and a ten pound note? No, this is something that human beings kind of mm. cultures. Like, let's get together. Let's call this. Let's call this that. Yeah. So likewise, um, if we say, for example, uh, and this is what I like about the scientific and medical community in particular, right? Yeah. They don't use. You might. Not, I don't know in the USA, yeah. but in the in the in the UK scenario is very strict. They don't use terms like homosexual, yeah. heterosexual. They use terms like MSM. Yeah, MSM. Yeah, yeah. that's quite common. Um, they use terms like um, arousal template. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, from from like uh, um, neuroscientists yeah. and stuff. And what are these things? So these are matters of fact, right? Yeah. This person, part of his or her arousal template is X Y Z, whatever. Well, well, I think other men or feet or sure. <laughs> or whatever, well, whatever well when people when people identify as gay, they're not they're not just signaling, signaling behaviors or even an identity. They're also signaling a cultural situatedness. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about a lifestyle that they've t- taken on. Oftentimes they're signaling the company that they keep, the way they live, mm-hmm. the way they think about politics or cultural issues. There are so many things yeah. that, that are entailments of that label. Mm-hmm. And there are m- many of them that actually are a problem in addition to the actions, of course, right? There are many of them that are But I think the real crux of it is yeah. that they believe... And that's the difference between gay and someone identifies as gay or queer, right? But yeah. the gay, the one who identifies as gay, they believe that there's some magical quality inside them called sexuality. Yeah. And that everyone has one. And this is very specific yeah, like the, like to... Like the orientation. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that it's just the essential part of their being and they just want to... Exactly. But, you know, part of it as well, and perhaps even, you know, there's that. But there's also the question of identity formation and mm. the understanding of the self, right? What's yeah. I think I mentioned it, expressive individualism. Robert Bella coined that yeah. term. Carl Truman's been writing about this recently. He has a book called Strange New World where he talks about the sort of way of the modern self. He also has rise and triumph of the modern self. Um, but there's, there's a lineage to these ideas. And mm. to some extent, these are ideas that have been established as part of the fulcrum. Mm. of modern Western societies, modern European societies, modern societies as a whole, frankly, is this notion of self, self-definition, self mm. self-creation, mm-hmm. authenticity, the desire to live for oneself. I mean, all of these things come together to produce a context in which not only the sexual identity yeah. and the gender identity, but any number of identities mm. become so critical and crucial to a person's place in the world, the way he yeah. or she views himself, that... Um, that sometimes, like you're, you're trying. You have to unravel a lot, mm-hmm. right? So. And I, I, I fully yeah. think that yeah. we need to situate our resistance yeah. to that. Yeah. We should yeah. say, and and there may be a, a time where I, where I can't explain all of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I only got five minutes, so I'm a 15 year old child, and my yeah. <laughs> teacher's shouting at me. We need to find a way for our community to express that yeah. in a very simple way without them um, rubber stamping those philosophical, yeah. ontological, religious, even and mystical kind of foundations yes. about human personhood and and uh, some kind of you know this this uh, the, the, the epistemology of the closet. You know, uh, I read one book ages ago about you know. So, and I think one way is to say, look, to bring it back to when you don't have time to explain all that. Lakum dinukum aliyadin. Yeah. What you actually, and this is, I think ninety percent of the battle is getting the the non-Muslim or even the Muslim who's who's absorbed non-Muslim this non-Muslim uh, discourse, getting them to recognize that what you're trying to impose on me. Is not mm-hmm. some facts about the universe. It's your own cultural mm-hmm. yeah. view and beliefs, which I don't share with you. Mm-hmm. Of course, to yeah. use your way and to me is mine. Mm-hmm. You see, if you do that, then you've the ball's in their court to mm-hmm. be um, tolerant. Mm-hmm. And if they refuse, then let it be clear that look, we're the ones calling for tolerant, proper tolerance of mm-hmm. ideas, right? That let people have different worldviews. Let people discuss and try and you know convince yeah. each other of those worldviews, give dawah, mm-hmm. debate, and so forth. But don't impose your worldview on us. Right? Yeah, well, and I, I think young people yeah. or people who are being lectured uh, by their their teachers. So we you know we've seen those viral mm-hmm. videos and stuff. I think they're in a place where they can articulate that. But it would be a disaster if they instead of doing that, if they just replicated um, right wing. Language and arguments against uh, well, LGBT. Again, I, I think uh, I, I think you don't want to make the perfect the enemy of the good, right? Even things that I, I'd say, you know, all we have is angry parents. Well, angry parents yeah. have actually been surprisingly effective. <laughs> really, I mean, yeah, they've uh, they have yeah. gotten a lot of mileage yeah. out of just expressing their anger and frustration mm. in imperfect ways, but nevertheless, they're yeah. doing yeah. so, and that's actually bearing fruit in important in important spaces. Mm. So I would say, look, let's not let's not downplay the fact that there may be imperfect ways to discuss this, but nevertheless, if people are doing things motivated by their conviction for their deen, you know, Allah knows, right, that 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 there can yeah. be positive outcomes that come yes. there yeah. that aren't going to be checking off every box when it comes to like discourse specific- specificity, but nevertheless may be enough for them and may even help them more in, in other places. Yeah. I yeah. also think like we also have to recognize that as we engage this topic, there may be certain lim- inherent limitations. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're coming to appreciate in North America is the way many administrators and faculty in schools look at Muslims. Mm. Because when you hear them speak in unfiltered ways about yes. Muslims, yeah, yeah. you realize just how low their opinion is of the Muslim community. Yeah. And that gets mm. you to appreciate and understand that you need to start investing more in alternatives. Because these people have such a low opinion of you. Mm. Why would I send my kids there for seven hours a day, ten months out of <laughs> yes. a year, five days a week yeah. to hang around with these people? Mm. Like, how can I do that as a responsible parent, as a caring Muslim parent, mm-hmm. right? Instead, I'm going to do more for homeschooling. I'm going to try to invest more in Islamic school. I'm going to put a lot more into the alternatives that I have in the past because I'm recognizing how toxic these mm-hmm. settings are and how they're com- comprised of people who occasionally mm-hmm. have very, very negative opinions about Islam. Yes. Right? As it, sometimes I say to parents, you know, you've, uh, unfortunately, we've got two, we've got, 
an, an, an unhealthy trust in schools. Yeah. Sometimes we send our children to schools and think, okay, they they got the best interests of our children at heart. Yeah. Not all the time. I remember I spoke to a parent last week, and um, she said that my son went to school and delivered very positive news to the teacher and said, look, my 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 mother's pregnant. My mother's going to have a baby. I'm and this is primary school children. This is like a eight year old child. My mother's going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby brother. He was really pleased with that news. And so he told the, the teacher, and he expected the teacher to say, oh, really excellent, well, um, congratulations, really yeah. good. The teacher said, how do you know that that's going to be a boy? Yeah? Yeah. When he grows up, he can decide whether he's a boy or a girl. Yeah. And it's like he burst the bubble of that child on two levels. First of all, that's not how you respond to a child who gives you yeah. good news. But secondly, you know, that idea of, of, of what you're saying is true, that there's no such thing as a male or female, how is that... How is that any? How is that tr- uh, 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 like uh, um, uh, factually correct, biologically uh, uh, sound? Uh, as a teacher, you're you're delivering that to a, a pupil, uh, uh, your student. How how is uh, I, I, there's so many things that that raised from my mind when I heard that? I just thought that's ridiculous. Well, well you guys, the, the, I think the good thing about the UK is you guys do do have some advantages. One mm. of your advantages is that Muslims tend to live very close to each other in yes. large numbers. Yeah, yeah, in our ghettos. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, but. No, the, it's, good, you can, it's, good, it's good ghettos We yeah. like those Well you can represent Your position yes. at, In a much more Authoritative yeah. way yeah. Than when you're Geographically dispersed yes. You're a yeah. much smaller Minority in the School counties And yeah. districts you, you may have schools here That are over 50% Muslim In terms mm. of student mm. population For schools like that You can have A very immediate impact Because you but, represent But, but, but so the much. only problem is yeah, yeah. Uh, Here where we are yeah. We're surrounded by Lots of schools Which have 95% Muslim children Mashallah. Yeah, yeah. The head teacher, deputy head, like all yeah. the, what they call the senior leadership team, the people who actually make decisions in the school, they're all white. Yeah. yeah? By they're design. All white. By design. Yeah. 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 I've spoken to people who have been in this borough who've, who've actually progressed really well in terms of in their academic career, but there's been a glass ceiling imposed upon them. Mm. You're not getting any further than that. And I've heard of conversations between those head teachers in this, in this area mm. where they've said, yeah, you know, we need to ensure that those type of people don't get into our position because effectively we're, we're, we're part of a crusade to ensure that we liberate these children for the future because mm. our future depends upon those children yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. almost freeing them from their parents who are who are who are, who are just backward regressive barbaric. Yeah. yeah barbaric these people uh, it's, it's, it's almost it's colo- see, colonialism you know, British, at a school yeah. level <laughs> British yeah. racism is far more Sophisticated, absolutely. And, you know, you have to yeah, appreciate yeah. it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> American racism, you know, KKK, yeah, very brazen. Yeah. yeah, but it's a bit like the French, you guys, right? But mm. the Brits, you know, mashallah, the, our racism is yeah, they smile at your face <laughs> and they talk behind your back, they'll, they'll plot behind your back, and then you feel, oh, yeah. that teacher's so nice, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that's. Yeah. I mean, you guys know your context better than I do. I, you so. know your context better than, mm-hmm. and and I have that an impulse to disagree with you, right, on <laughs> something you said. But I, I'll defer to you knowing your own context, <laughs> because if uh, over here <laughs> to say uh, um, Muslims, you can you know invest in your Islamic schools and homeschooling and stuff. <laughs> it's a bit hypocritical of me to say that because my kids are homeschooled. <laughs> same, <laughs> same, yeah, same, same here. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Same here. But I still think yeah. we we shouldn't just leave. Absolutely, no, no. Yeah. Leave the state schools. Yeah, my children have want. never been to I state think we schools need to, in, in their yeah. entire lives. But I think yeah. we need to take the the fight, the good fight, to the state schools. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how it is in the US. It might be oh, so, uh, impossible. So, th- so there are different different yeah. reasons why I'm, you know, yeah. obviously this is a big reason, huge mm. reason why I'm, sort of, you know, critical of yeah. public schooling mm. in the United States. 
But there are other reasons too. I mean, even on purely yeah. academic merit, it's mm. not like public schools yeah. are great. Um, you know, you know, here public schools actually mean um, uh, fee fee paying schools in the UK context. If you say public schools here, they talk yeah. about Eton. Okay. You know, they're like the the creme de la creme of okay. fee paying schools. No, no, no fee paying yeah. schools. These are just the state. Yeah, you talk about the state, yeah. the state schools. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. states, uh, Eton is what happens to a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. a mess. No, so, so state schools for us, <clears throat> it's not as if they're they're offering mm. just a stellar yeah. and pristine form of mm. education to begin with. They have a lot of internal problems, mm. and it's not yes. as if Islamic schools don't have those problems. But it is to say that yeah. the alternatives aren't that much worse, and yeah. oftentimes you can you can exceed yes. them and you can excel beyond them yes. without yeah. that much effort. You know, sometimes I hear conversations like on Facebook and you know, like on on like regionally based groups, and so people are saying, "Look, I'm moving to this area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I I'm looking for good schools." And yeah. I just observe the conversation between parents, just uh, yeah. as a third party just to see what sort of conversation and there'll be hundreds of messages this school is good this school is good and actually the criteria for those parents around the schools is all to do with the perceived academic excellence of the school and nobody actually says oh that school is actually pretty bad in terms of it doesn't allow children to pray yeah. that school yeah. um, has a, a, is really a, a really strong another indoctrination one, another one of your ideas and so, yeah. but the thing is does the parents don't in the in the in the don't even factor in anything above academic excellence sometimes yeah. for schools and so that is like your 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 only thought about your children is a, like dunyawi concerns. They're not there's no there's nothing beyond mm. that for your in terms of when you're looking at what schools are best for your children, and that yeah. that really frustrates me. Um, yeah, and and I think many parents are extremely ambitious with their yeah. children's. Mm. They tend to uh, when it comes to making academic decisions, they make yes. decisions with the idea that my kid is going to be this brilliant <laughs> doctor or Nobel mm. Prize winner or mm. something like that. Perhaps that'll be the outcome, who knows. Mm. But the idea that <laughs> that, is, that is the likely <laughs> outcome. Yeah, it's not, it's not the likely outcome. Most people end up getting somewhere between an average yes. to, you know, somewhere around an average education. Mm. And they end up going to a decent university. If they go to university, they get a degree in something and they start working. Mm that outcome is not materially changed between mm. different school settings. What does change are all of the other things that you're talking mm. about. And when you think about that, you say, okay, like how much am I investing in this, mm. in this sort of far yeah. off hope that my kid is going to be this really world changing intellectual, mm. as opposed to perhaps making some modest sacrifices, mm. which may not even be sacrifices, reality mm, mm, mm. to ensure that their faith and their religion is stable mm. for the long term so you know one thing uh, uh, i noticed like reading your work and uh, listening yeah. to some of your stuff as well same thing with uh, yusuf as well so i guess so full I, circle. i don't require thesaurus when i speak that's the only <laughs> no, no, no. See, I'm, I'm the dumbed down yeah. version of, no, no, no. Uh, of mabin no, i'll no. speak in the language yeah. of the people i'm just like man of the people he, he'll, he'll quote a thousand books yeah. and i'll say what book? You yeah. just need one book, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. You're joking? Astaghfirullah. No, astaghfirullah. I'm not joking. Astaghfirullah. What are you trying to... You put words in my mouth. Anyway, yeah, so you can I mean, one thing you have in common is you actually both have a lot to, mashallah, a lot of topics, you know, of interest that you can um, uh, talk about and have some insights on. But you're always, uh, you're often kind of pigeonholed into the LGBT or kind of uh, sex education, that kind of stuff. So yeah. let's let let's agree to meet next time you're in town and yeah. talk about other things. 
Yeah, I can't talk about anything else. We're trying to make a therapy session. There's nothing else to talk about. Well, it's interesting because you know I. I used to write more often. I still do yeah. on occasion about liberalism and secularism, mm. but in some ways those topics have to become tangible. Mm. Yeah. It's when you keep things at the conceptual level at times people don't understand how that concept translates mm. into the real world. Yeah. Right? It's just like people who have critiques of the nation state. Mm. You can have a really strong critique of the nation state, but until you can translate the impact and the negative impact of the nation state in a way that people can feel and mm. observe. Mm. Right. And so so you may talk about specific issues like jingoism or nationalism, and mm. that becomes the type of issue. And people may look at that and say, well, you know, what's so wrong about having a strong yeah. national affiliation or patriot? Mm. But you, you have to have an issue that can highlight the problems of the bigger discourses. Yeah. And then you can back into a bigger discourse, mm. um, you know, retroactively. In some mm. ways, I think this particular topic of LGBT <coughs> offers us an avenue to help illustrate greater problems between where where do the tensions mm. lie at the heart of secularism mm. where do they lie at the heart of liberalism mm. like you're, you're sort of backing into those issues oftentimes but you're doing so in a way that is very tangible for people because they see discrete issues now yes. yeah. and they understand why those issues have become issues yeah excellent mm. um, really enjoyed the convo but unfortunately no, we're running out of uh, time Ustad uh, Mubin next time you're on You've promised on camera now to <laughs> uh, join us again. And next yeah, time, uh, we'll, we'll, inshallah, you'll be upgraded to Sheikh Mubin. No. And maybe you'll have some more grey hairs. I'll be higher uh, up on a signature <laughs> list or something like that. They'll yeah. bump you up to number one or number two on the, yeah, on the, on the, the second signature line list. or whatever. Yeah, inshallah. Yeah. Just below Yusuf, Sheikh Yusuf. <laughs> and we will send yeah. a stern email, inshallah. Zakla Khair, Ustad Mubin. Obviously, Yusuf no. Patel, thanks for coming. And Zakla Khair, to you at home for watching. If you like this podcast, as usual, give a like and a share. Let us know in the comments where you stand if you agree disagree uh, if you just want to make fun of anyone then let us know if you dislike this podcast press the, the thumbs down button twice yeah uh, <laughs> that really that really helps uh, anyway from Islam Trinity and myself uh, I've been your host Salman Bhatt until next time Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh